Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We are thrilled that you picked this podcast to listen to among the choices for student ministry podcasts. So thanks for doing that. Tell us what you think by leaving a rating and review. We want to make sure and continue to improve the podcast for you, the listener. So thank you for doing that in advance. It takes like 30 seconds. So if you would do that, that'd be great. It also helps other people find the podcast when they search for student ministry content. All right. I'm your host, Ben Trueblood. With me in the studio virtually is producer Nathan. What's up? How's it going? It's good, man. So my question for you mm-hmm. is we we just recently finished up Youth Pastor Summit California. We did. It's fantastic. So I, I want to hear your favorite part of Youth Pastor Summit California. Like it doesn't have to be a session. doesn't have to be any specific, like it could be anything from the two days that we were there. Man, wow, that's good. Uh, had some good food. Sunset at Laguna Beach was amazing. <laughs> but right. uh, no, I think honestly, uh, it was just great to to see people again, and it was great to talk to people at the at the conference to see everybody just kind of you know coming back, getting back a little bit into that rhythm, talking student ministry. Man, that's always yeah. fun. Yeah, that's the first time we'd been there since 2019. So it didn't yep. happen in 20, didn't happen in 21. So it was good to be back in Southern California and. If you're ever out that way, Nathan is right. Carmelitas in Laguna Beach. Best fantastic food I've place. ever had in my life. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. a big statement. It's a bold statement. I stand firm by it, though. I have a very refined palate, and so I'll stand <laughs> by it. <laughs> well, Just kidding. But <laughs> I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask uh, the best Mexican food you've ever had question to our guest here in just a minute. But before we get – I'm going to filibuster – with his bio to give him a little time to think about this. So we're excited today to have Chad Poe on the podcast with us. Chad has been speaking biblical truth into students' lives for years. He believes the importance of relationships, seeks to get to know people when he is away from the stage. Ultimately, Chad hopes to see students move into a deeper relationship with Christ through the power of God's word. In turn, those students will impact their community and the world. Chad is currently the teaching pastor at Grace Bible Church. He's the co-host of Hold On Podcast, so check that one out, fellow podcaster here, and is the founder of Throughline Cohort, a ministry that exists to develop communicators of the Bible. Also has been a speaker for Fuge for years, so we are thankful for you, Chad, in partnership and ministry in that regard. He is married to Hope. They have three sons and a daughter, so staying busy in all facets of life. Chad, thanks for joining us, man. That bio is very thorough when it's read out loud. <laughs> that is you what's know, on all of your Lifeway websites, Ben. I know it. Well, see, I, I've often realized this. When it's written, it's like, oh, that doesn't seem that long. But when you read it, this is the same thing for mine. I'm like, oh, maybe I should adjust that. So there's a difference between hearing it and just seeing it on a page for sure. But you do all of those things. So, and not? more. And more (laughs) cutting the grass. We could put that, we could put that in there. Yes. Dog Walker, man. I, uh, I want to know from you the, the, do you know the best Mexican food you've ever had in your life? Like, is it right? Is it accessible right there in your brain? So if we're talking chain restaurants, I'm a big fan of Lupe Tortilla. I love, Jimmy Chongas, which is another chain, they're they're connected to this 
El Toro chain, which is actually in the town that I live in, in Lake Jackson. So those okay. guys are great. The Did best, you say Jimmy, like Jay? Jimmy, Jimmy Changa. Jimmy okay. Changa, yes. So their, uh, their mascot is a monkey. So do with that what you will. They okay. have this fantastic playground in front of every one of their restaurants for children for the waiting area, which I love. I, I'm, I affirm that completely. Anything that will keep yep. my children entertained is awesome. So that's great. At the best Mexican that I've ever eaten that was non-chain, there was a restaurant in Fort Worth. I don't even remember the name of it. I could probably find it if I looked hard enough. You basically walk into a house and you ate what was given to you and you did not ask questions. So that's good. Okay. So it's right there near the seminary, probably two blocks away from Southwestern. So like you're just sitting on somebody's couch. Yeah. Well, not, not quite that, but it, you, <laughs> it, it, it felt close. It sounds like a uh, big Al's here in Nashville. Oh, big Al's. You, it's the same kind of thing. You, it's a house that was converted. So there's like three tables in there. And mm-hmm. you go in, and uh, there's a small menu, and Big Al just cooks stuff up, and some people like it. There's a barbecue place in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. <laughs> you walk in, and they just say beef or pork, and you tell them which one you want, and you eat from that point forward. Whatever you give them, that's what you – you want beef or pork, they bring you that variant of the rib – for you to eat and you don't ask questions. It's great. It's called so pizzas. It's ribs only. It's ribs. I think there's other barbecue, but there, those are your options. You don't get to tell them a whole lot. It's awesome though. Feel free. Well, if, uh, if you have, um, cause we travel, Chad travels a, a good bit. So if you're listening and you have a restaurant recommendation, then let us know at student ministry and at Chad Poe, P O E. Yes. And, and, uh, that we will, we will try to eat at your restaurants. That would be fantastic. Tag trip advisor as well. We'll do everything we can to loop it all together. (laughs) That's right. Well, one of the things that, uh, the main thing that we wanted to talk about today and Chad, I think you're a great person to have speak into this, uh, because of how many different student ministries you interact with over the course of the year is things that all student ministries have in common. And, The reason why I think this is an important conversation is because there's a broad spectrum of student ministries based on where you're located. Are you inner city or are you rural or are you suburban? All kinds of different size churches. But uh, as I've witnessed, there are some things that tend to be transferable from place to place to place. And through your speaking with camp and individual churches with weekend events and stuff, you are in front of a lot of different contexts of churches. So wanted to have this conversation with you just to say, hey, well, let's identify some things that all student ministries have in common. So I'll throw that to you as the first question. What are some of the trends that you're seeing that kind of fit from student ministry to student ministry? One of the things that I've noticed, and it's funny that you would ask this because I've got about probably 25 student pastors that have been part of my cohort. So I just texted them and said, what are some things that you find to be efficient and effective and that have been helpful for your ministry? And a lot of their answers came back to the tension of the two things that we 
have almost made binaries where we have the idea of a relational ministry versus a ministry based on teaching. The ones that are seeing the mm. most progress are the ones who live in the tension that those two things can coexist. That they are not in opposition to one another. We work to develop relationships that are based in scriptural truth, things that we push from stages and push from circles because they're pushed from stages and circles get to be lived out in conversation and relationship. And it's been, I almost said the word neat. I feel very golly. I'll take neat. Neat's okay. Golly gee whippers when I say that. But (laughs) when you look and and you can hear and notice that youth pastors are saying, "I, I want to teach my kids effectively and for them to hear that, I mean, I, we know this. You've done podcasts on it. The last few years for these students have been a tad bit overwhelming. And to find a yeah. place where you have, where you can live in the collective community of hope, which is the, the Christian context, the Christian relationship, while scriptural hope is being proclaimed to you, and those things can interact with one another. I believe there's a lot of win in that for us as the church. Hmm. I love that you put two, like the two pieces of hope there. There's a relational and connectivity hope and the hope of the gospel, the scriptural hope and how those two things interact. I, I really like how you differentiated those two things. It's when you, we, I, I, so I'm 44 and I grew up in a world where it was just me and Jesus, and we talked about the importance of having a personal quiet time, though that sounds like putting my child in time out, the idea of a quiet time. (laughs) But that's not true. Yes, there is a relationship between me and Jesus that is vertical. There's also this collective relationship that we see that runs through the New Testament. Every letter is written to or for the church as a whole. Yeah. And when we dismiss the idea of living together in Christian community, we've dismissed a a large portion of what the Bible pushes us toward. Yeah. And then when we look into, even when Jesus is talking to the disciples, they'll know that you're my disciples when you love one another. Well, loving one another is not me staring at you while you stand in front of me from a chair. (laughs) So, yeah. These things are work, working together in this divine tension that God works through. Man, and and you identified it. It's That is something that I think has retaken the foreground in a lot of places as a result of what was lost during those pandemic years is the importance of relationship and a return to, oh man, maybe we had become imbalanced a little bit and now relationships are or ministry in the context of relationships is more focused upon. Again, I know churches who really weathered the COVID storm well were ones who had solid small groups beforehand, who had leaders who took relationships with their kids very seriously, whether it be volunteer leaders, youth pastors, whatever. Those were the ones who seemed to weather that storm more effectively maybe than us. I don't think anyone came out and was like, hey, that was fantastic. Neat. <laughs> that, that was neat. But they uh, they did weather it in a way that other people didn't. 
one, you said the pandemic years. That will be a television show in the year of our Lord 2040. I am certain of it. That will be the title of a show where we trademarked. We have flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you also see the regional nature of it. I was interacting with a youth pastor friend who lives in the Northeast. He's in the New England area. And I was shocked when he shared with me when we were able to begin to return post pandemic or on the backside of the pandemic, whatever language you choose to use there. He said they extended the time that they were together on a Wednesday night because Mm -hmm. of how much those, that crew had not been together. So they're together two and a half to three hours on a Wednesday night. Now they have a meal together, which is very acts too. It's the oddest thing. Yeah. They have time that they talk to one another. They clean up together, serving the church together. So mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty incredible just to hear from a student pastor who's not in a context. I don't know if you can tell from my accent. I'm not living in New England most of my days. So <laughs> the idea that given their context, that they would they would move in that direction was pretty powerful to me. And on the other side of it, one of the the youth pastors that we all have a relationship with, Will Cumbie, is in the Houston area, inner city Houston, and they've just started gathering together again. Yeah. He has a student ministry with a thousand students, and yeah, they were just, meeting together on Zoom for almost yeah. two years. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Well, what are the, some, th- some things that you see um, – successful ministries doing across, again, you interact with many different kinds of churches. So what are some of the things you see successful ministries doing? And I want to give a little definition to successful too, because I don't, I don't want it to come across like, oh, these are the things that these big churches are doing, because I think it's definitely true that there are ministries who might have many students who may not be healthy, that may not be a healthy ministry, just like there are probably smaller churches who don't have many students that may not be healthy. So uh, successful in this would be reaching new students and seeing disciples, seeing students grow in discipleship. So let's not put a number on it. Let's just say, hey, students, uh, churches that are reaching students, and helping them grow in discipleship. What are some of the things that you see that those kinds of churches have in common? I was just with a church in North Carolina. It wasn't in one of the major areas. It's not in Raleigh. It's a couple hours from Raleigh, three hours from Charlotte. And I was asking that student pastor this question and saying, because they're very, you would view them as successful in based on every definition that you've just given. And one of the things that he has said has been a win for him is the idea of individuality, that they have they have a student ministry that doesn't try to emulate what other student ministers are doing because they know the needs of their community. They contextually try to figure out what's taking place here and how can we reach people here and how can we interact with our students here. And I think that there is we've we've been doing this long enough to realize there is a the nature of copycat we we want to emulate we want to do what someone else is doing there is a victory in the fact that kids can see they can see right through that 
they can see if they've gone to every church in their area that X church does everything better, but the other churches are trying to do the same thing. There is good victory for us in the idea of defining success by we're going to be who we are and we're going to do everything we can to communicate your worth, communicate the truth of scripture and communicate who God is and, and the God who's made us in his image to communicate the hope of redemption and that those things are what we platform. We, we platform, mm. yes, God make, God created you, but because of your sin, you're separated from, we're going to do things that point out to you. Yeah. You are someone created in the image of God, but Jesus has, called you to be part of this collective, to be part of this family, to be part of these relationships. So join with us in that. Think through this with us and, and, and allowing them to have a voice. The Some of the successful things that many of my student pastor friends have shared with me and that I've noticed as I've watched their groups meet is they don't just want their children or their, or their students, they don't just want their students to listen they want them to hear because when you hear you're given opportunity to respond if you're just li- they don't ask yes no questions they ask questions that actively engage the listener yeah because because yes no questions are easy to separate ourselves from to walk away from there's an easy out they push towards questions that cause people to process why what is the why of this and the more we're asking a ninth grader to engage in the question that we may ask, the more likely they're going to process that later on between Wednesday to Wednesday or Sunday to Sunday in a way that makes them think, okay, if this thing was said about God from the pastor, and that is an absolute truth from the scriptures, Jesus dies for us. The resurrection of Jesus is our hope. If those things are reality for me, what does that have to do with me? Asking mm-hmm. questions where they can process what that has to do with their everyday matters. And you'll see, uh, as I've interacted with student pastors, there's this healthy place where a lot of ministries are now, where they're not just gathering together for big group, but they're making space in the context of their ministry. Yes, we'll do a game where we throw a plastic chicken at a at a metal bus and that's going to be really fun, (laughs) but they'll also have a message and they've realized that the value of their message is not in what they say, but in the fact that what they said is heard. So they give students a chance, even in that space to go to immediate or intermediate response. We always call students to the gospel. I I want immediate response there, but there's an intermediate response when a kid sits in a circle with a group leader and they're asking them questions to the effect of, okay, what does that have to do with you? Why does that matter to you? What can we do with that right now? Man, that's such a big deal because I think if that takes a level of intentionality and preparation in our preaching and in our messages and in the follow-up to not just say a bunch of things that are true and right and good, but go the extra step to say, and this is what that means for you right now. This is how that applies to your life right now. Well, the Lord is, if you've ever been part of a student camp, you'll hear the question about decisions. 
how many decisions were made. Well, I hope that a bazillion decisions are made every time that I preach. I hope that students decide to follow Jesus. I hope that students who were following Jesus decide to invest more into the study of Scripture. I hope Mm -hmm. that people decide to reevaluate their relationship with their boyfriend or girlfriend. I always want decisions to be made. And, you know, we, we can, we have, we give kids an opportunity, whoever those kids happen to be, when we put them in places where we're saying, think about this here. And then you realize there's a long-term response as well. There's a week between your gathering or there's two months until your next big event. What are we doing to breadcrumb out the thoughts that we have from A to B or B to C or, or whatever? Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned was uh, you, you mentioned several things that successful ministries that you see them doing. One of them was that they're just themselves, that they know their community, they know their people, and they don't try to, to fashion a ministry that's copycat. One of the things I've always appreciated about you, Chad, is that you are always yourself. You are not trying to be some other speak, fill in the blank of celebrity, pastor, preacher, popular speaker person. You no, are. No, I'm totally good with being the unpopular one. Well, you, you are a hundred percent you every single time. And I've heard you speak several times now and, and I really appreciate that. And I think if, uh, I think if a ministry is going to be themselves, then that has to be led by a person who is okay being themselves, who has done some of the personal work to say, you know what, this is who I am. This is who God created me to be. This is the vision that God has given me for student ministry. These are the people and let's let's go do what he's called us to do here in this city place moment, whatever. I have um, some student pastors that are just coming to mind right now who they're never going to have ministries that are based on how cool they are. And I think there's nothing wrong, man. If you're naturally cool, you be yourself and be naturally cool. Yeah. But I've got guys that I can just think of. They've, they've invested the the whole of their lives into pouring into students and to understand the Bible so they can pour something that has eternal value into students and to having relationships where they value the, the lives of students. That, these are the guys that 10 years down the road get called to do weddings. That 15 yeah. years, you know, things like that. And I'm doing some of that now where I'm, I'm thinking, I'm not old enough to be doing weddings, but I'm totally old enough to be doing weddings. Yeah. So it's true. It's weird, man. But you, you do see the idea of they are themselves with their students and the student ministries take that on as well, where it's not weird. There are some student ministries where if you walked in and all they were doing was they're sitting around a table eating barbecue and having a Bible study. I know those student ministries. And that's not what we think of in light of what student ministry is in a world where we want to compare everything to X's Instagram or Y's TikTok. But the idea of them sitting in a circle, having a conversation as they eat a meal together, and then they open their Bible and they've got barbecue sauce on their Bible. But they're talking (laughs) about the truth of who Jesus is, leading to a youth pastor being able to sit down one-on-one with a kid later and saying, 
okay, let me know how I can help you with this. There is value in that, great value in that. And and I don't know if we've done a disservice to it or not. I I hope not. Do you have a favorite barbecue place? If you were going to get barbecue sauce on your Bible, where would you want it to be from? Well, Killen's Barbecue in the Houston area is really, really good. Black's Barbecue in Dallas is really great. I'm not even a big barbecue person. I'm really pro pizza. That's my yeah. favorite. But I'm in I'm in week four of a six week weight loss challenge, okay. and I would pretty much eat this wooden table that I that my my <laughs> computer's on right now if I could. So there's that. We share a love of pizza. It is my favorite food. Oh gosh, and uh, it is. Every Friday night is pizza night in our house. Every, even terrible pizza is good pizza. That's how much I love pizza. Dude, I'll eat a little Caesars hot and ready right now. I'm not above things. I'm totally not above it. Yeah, for sure. Let's take the other side of that question. So we've asked like, what are some of the things that you see that healthy churches are doing? Um, Asking the right questions building relationships, being themselves, those things that you mentioned a minute ago. What about when you walk into a, a ministry and you are not that you're like judging folks, but you know, you see enough to know like, Oh, maybe these are some signs of some unhealthiness or maybe some room for improvement kind of things. And so, so I'll give you one of mine just to kind of let you know where, uh, where I'm coming from with a question. So when I go to a ministry and speak or do something and I see the student pastor behind the soundboard running sound for the worship team and like that, to me, that's like a, a small thing that tips me off to, okay, maybe there's a volunteer issue here. Maybe we aren't training volunteers or giving students an opportunity to be trained and do that kind of stuff. For some reason, I just have this like student pastors never run a soundboard. You need to get somebody to do that. So that's a little thing, but that kind of gives you an idea of like what I'm thinking about when like what are some signs of unhealth? Could be many, could be much more serious if you want to take it that way. Well, you know, there's a fine line between circumstance and excuse. So if you walk into a situation and a youth pastor is running the soundboard because at five o'clock that afternoon, his soundboard person called in sick, that's one thing. But if 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 every week brother's got on the headset and he's trying to (laughs) trying to balance out the vocals of whoever is on stage, that's an that's an excuse. He has allowed one moment in the history of his ministry to to define every moment. One of the things that you'll that. I really push people toward is you don't have to be the best Bible teacher in the world. If you're going to regularly teach the Bible, you need to make sure that you're not getting your message ready at four 30 on a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. Because everything feels frazzled and you're, and people are watching you think as to what you're going to say next. So, the and that's one of those situations where we've all had the circumstance comes up or we can't get a message ready until four o'clock on Wednesday because we had a kid in the hospital and we had multiple things that we had to take care of. Yeah, but if sometimes every, it happens. If yeah. you have dictated your schedule, 
so that every Wednesday night, the first time you're looking at a text is the text you're going to teach that night. That's an excuse on your part, and you're allowing things to define for you. Like, you're allowing things to define your ministry that are that may not necessarily be the purpose of your ministry. You being moving in a direction where you're prepared to teach something, to ask the why questions, any of those questions we talked about earlier, where we're asking a student, where we're, we're thinking through what we're going to ask of students from our message, those can't come off the cuff because you've got a group leader who needs to think about those things. You, you have multiple people, if you're building things out well, you have multiple people that need to be processing alongside of you. Yeah. So I think that the, the a lack of preparation and a lack of knowing how to prepare can poorly define a student ministry. And, and But there are ways to fix that. It's just yeah. a matter of you addressing it. We don't like to address our shortcomings because it's easier to address other people's. Mm. Man, that's strong. So let's say somebody's listening to this and they're like, man, I've identified or you have helped me identify a shortcoming specifically in the planning part, because I, I know that there are some student pastors that are not gifted organizationally. They struggle with planning, whether it be a message or an event or whatever. I also believe that the unfair criticism of student pastors are never organized is false. Absolutely. So categorically untrue. Yeah. I throw that out, but it is a, an assumption that is made about student pastors. It is an assumption that is made about student pastors, even though many times it's completely false. But let's take that as the example, since you since you mentioned the, the planning part. Um, how do you overcome that? How do you recognize that? And what are the steps that you, as a student pastor, would take to say, okay, I've identified this shortcoming, whether it's training volunteers or I need to multiply leadership or I need to expand my giftedness in planning. How do you do it? Surrounding yourself with people that you are willing to hear from in regard to your shortcomings hmm. is one of our biggest assets. If I know that I don't plan well, having a relationship, whether it's a volunteer or an administrative assistant, who is a good planner, who can allow me to be the big plan person. We use terms like vision a lot. It throws me a curveball because I, as Christians, I don't believe that we're given visions. God gives a plan. He, he gave us a vision with the great commandment. But the when we talk about planning things out and thinking through how to execute the plan, just knowing if we can address our shortcomings, it gets a lo- It goes a long way. I, if I know that I'm not a good planner, and I'm talking about message preparation because that is the heartbeat of what right. it is. I'm, I'm never going to be the guy who's going to tell us a week-in, week-out student pastor how to week-in, week-out student pastor because that's not my deal. Right. But I do know in general, as a teaching pastor at a church, having people in my life who would say to me, Chad, let me help you here because you need help here. And me being willing to receive that is is beneficial. That doesn't mean they get to come in and slash me every time they see me with you're the least organized person in the world, or or maybe they'll say something nice, like you're the most attractive person in the world or whatever they think. They just need to be able to come in and they need to say, I need to be able to hear, okay, Chad, we can work on this. 
And if you, if you'll give me what you want to see executed, I can help you get to that because nuts and bolts may not be everybody's thing. So hopefully we're leaning into our administrators and leaning in or our administrative assistants and leaning into our lead volunteers and leaning into our small group leaders so that the relational equity of being part of a family helps us to move forward. I'm really big on the idea of when the Bible calls us a family, which is the primary reference we get in Scripture for what it means to be part of a body of believers, seeing what that means and interacting in life like that, I I think that, yeah, I I don't know if that answers your question. Feel free to cut that, Nathan. It does, man. Like I... I was in my head thinking about the body, the picture of the body of Christ. And like in those moments where we all have shortcomings, when we notice those, especially in a leadership environment, when we have shortcomings and we notice those and then bring other people along to help us in that, that's discipleship opportunity. That's, that's discipleship because they are being able to use their giftedness for the sake of the body of Christ. They're being developed. And it's a, it makes that picture really, really beautiful. And there's also a lot of freedom in realizing that as a student pastor, as a leader, you don't have to be excellent at every single thing. In fact, it's very human to not be excellent at everything you do. And if the expect, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And if the expectation that you have on yourself is I must be excellent at everything I attempt, then that's going to lead you to a place of a lot of discontentment and probably some pride, uh, that that's going to cause some, some damage. And so if we can like, like Nathan, let's producer Nathan always in the podcast, man, he can do things that there's that I can't do. It would take me weeks in some of these things that Nathan can do in like an hour and a half because he's gifted in certain ways that I'm not. And it is that on, on our team specifically. And the same thing I would say with Zach and Chad and the rest of our, our team at Lifeway students, like there's a reason why we work together in ministry and it's to give people an opportunity to use their gifts and to be a picture of the body of Christ. And even with that, when we begin to think through, have we, are we cultivating ministries where a student sees that their senior graduation is not the end? Hmm. Yeah. It's a great are we question. allowing them to be part of the larger body? Are they having conversations do they even know the name of the senior adult who hands out the bulletins if that's a bulletin church? Yeah. And I think that I think that inadvertently we can create this weird world where it's over when my senior year is over, especially if we have not connected the dots from okay, this ministry whether it's your middle school ministry, your high school ministry, our student ministry is part of something that is so much bigger 
the, the micro church. We're part of this body of believers that is part of something that's even bigger than that. It's part of the, yeah. the church as a whole and allowing them to see their place in the body as a whole. And that's more than let's have student appreciation Sunday. Right. You know, so. Wow. I'm thinking a lot. Yeah. Sorry. No, man, I, I agree. And you know, we research research would show that as they are able to answer the questions, why do I need the church? And why does the church need me? That that positively influences their connection to the church after high school. And unless they experience it, it's really difficult to answer those questions. Yes. Being able to know and being able to see. So I have a 14 year old. It's weird to say out loud, by the way, I have a 14 year old son. Don't Isn't your son? 14, 15? He's 15, yep. My son knows middle-aged people and has conversations with them. He yeah. he knows, and look, by, we are in no way, shape, or form perfect parents. But And our church is not a perfect church because there's not one. Yeah. But creating lines for my for our teenagers to know people who are in different walks of life, is beneficial and for church advancement, for the advancement of our local church in the community and to the ends of the earth. Just, I'm part of something that is bigger than what happens on Wednesday night at my church. Yeah. You use a phrase there, drawing lines. And I think that's, that's what has, that's what has to be done for, for teenagers to be able to have conversations and experience the connection with people that are out of their generation. It takes setting up. They're not going to naturally go sit down. Most of them are not going to naturally go sit down with somebody who's 72 and be like, Hey, how's, how's everything going? That's just not, that's just not going to take place. So it does take connecting those lines and connecting those people. Well, Chad, man, I, I appreciate so much your time in giving to this episode and, hanging out with us today, giving us knowledge on food and ministry. Th- well, those two things together. That's what I do. I've also got opinions on sports. I'd love to come back another time and talk about those. Whatever you need from me. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Nathan and I like to talk about F1 racing. I, it's on my list of things to intertwine my life with, to understand yeah. F1 racing. You need to. Yeah, it's mm. it's... It's a great journey. Do you have a favorite I don't, kit? I don't understand much of it yet. No, you don't. No one does. But it's I, I enjoy I enjoy watching it. My uh my favorite driver is Sergio, as they say on the announcers, Perez. But I, I just say Perez because um I don't know which way it's supposed to just supposed um, to go. He your- probably doesn't say Perez, but Go with your heart. That's what I say. Go with your heart. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) All right. Chad, thank you for being with us. Nathan and I will be right back after this brief message. That's signal for commercial coming your way. But we'll be right back. Hey, I want to take just a second to tell you about a Bible study that you can find for your students 
at lifeway.com. It is the first three chapters of the Gospel of John by Matt Chandler. This is an incredible study focused on the nature of Christ and how belief in him leads to true life. In this study, you'll learn how we're dependent upon God to help us believe in the name of Jesus and become his children and experience a well of abundant grace that never runs dry. Something that all of us need and something that I know and am confident that your students will benefit from. It is 12 sessions long. Again, it is the first three chapters of John. It's called The Word Became Flesh by Matt Chandler. So check that out today on lifeway.com. Nathan, we're back. We're back. To give a little recap here, major takeaways from our conversation with Chad Poe just a little bit ago. Yeah, so I think a couple of takeaways for me. One, kind of there towards the end, he was just talking about the importance of being, well, it was kind of in the middle too, but the importance of being yourself as a student minister. I think that's just so important. I've seen people try to imitate other people. I've seen mm-hmm. people feel self-conscious about maybe think they're a certain way or something. Don't think they'll connect well enough with students. Maybe that's age. Maybe that's, you know, who knows? You could list all kinds of things, but I think just be confident in who you are. God made you unique and God made you to do that, your role in student ministry. He made, he's called you to be the one there and he didn't call someone else to do it. He didn't call you to be someone else to try to do it. And I just think that's so important, whether that's through preaching or how you lead or how you how you teach like students these this day and age, I think students have always been able to see a level of authenticity, but I think even more so these days, like students want to know the real thing because the world just shows, throws so much fake stuff at them all the time. You know, it's, you've yeah. got to be perfect on Instagram. You've got to be perfect on Snapchat. You got to be perfect on TikTok. You got to do that video for three hours and get, Three, spend three hours getting 15 minutes perfect, right? They just want something in their life that is authentic and real, and they can just sit down. They can take that breath. They can just kind of let that sigh out and say, man, I can be myself because this person is their self right now too. Yeah, it's huge, man. And I wanted to ask you about that too, because you've led in student ministry mm-hmm. uh, and you've led at Fuge Camps. You've, you've directed camp and there are some of the things that we do, like in our Essentials Roadshow, where you uh, are on stage and, and teaching. And so there are some, you have done some out front leading mm-hmm. yep. things in ministry. Um, but the primary things that you do on our team mm-hmm. and in other places have been leading through support roles and leading through behind the scenes project management and producing and organizing. So I wanted to ask you, because man, there are a lot of kids in ministry like you Mm -hmm. that have those gifts and abilities and sometimes, or volunteers in the church, and sometimes they don't get to use those. So man, I'd just love to hear from you, like how being given opportunities to kind of play those support roles has helped you and been an important part of your life over the years having those opportunities and chances was crucial um, because whenever you give somebody who, who may be a little bit more behind the scenes, the opportunity to, to lead they're they're leading in a year. Cause it, whenever I take on a project, like I'm, I'm leading that project. Even if that doesn't mean I'm standing up there, it doesn't, That's right. doesn't mean I'm telling you how to do your thing, Ben, but I'm helping lead with the team and I'm helping lead that project. I'm taking ownership of it. I think that's crucial. Um, so it was huge and just beneficial for me, for people to believe in me, to be like, man, I'm going to give you this task. I'm going to believe you can do it. I'm going to give you ownership of it and I'm going to let you lead. And I learned a lot of just about how to lead in leadership through some of those behind the scene roles. So then when it was time to step out, 
to, to lead a group of people, whether that was way back in the day when I worked for the YMCA or whether it was like leading at camp, leading with other student pastors, leading on a team um, at church as a student ministry leader, youth pastor, you know, it, it built into those kind of kind of roles. And so it gives, gives you the confidence to to do those things well and then to also be able to step forward. So then it doesn't seem so doesn't seem disjointed when all of a sudden you step out and you're leading with the group of people because you've yeah, you've kind of you know, you've got to lead behind the scenes as much as you lead in front of people. I think, man, I agree. I think when, even when we set up leadership teams of students, sometimes we think put them in front of people in order to lead. Mm -hmm. And we think about leadership team things being okay. They need to be out in front and influence that way, but it's still leadership, even from a support role. They don't have to be on the stage or leading something where people see where a lot of people see them in order to exhibit leadership. Yep. And you do that really well. You lead from a peer standpoint extremely well. And I think there that's one of the things that struck me about that conversation and putting it in the frame of, man, that's why we're the body of Christ, because we need all of those dif different people attached one person's a hand and one person's an ear and one person's a foot. And that's just, mm -hmm. that's just the way it's designed to be. So man, that's stuck with me, I, man, me too, with, uh, the, just be yourself thing. There were a lot of years in student ministry. I spent trying to teach like someone else or trying to preach like someone else. And it, it just was never, never as genuine as when I just stood in front of a group of people or in a conversation with someone and just was me. Yep. And so I, I resonate with that. I experienced it. And, uh, and I, I feel like Chad was, was right on the money there. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the student ministry podcast by Lifeway. Quick reminder to leave a rating and review and we'll see you next week.